You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team, we'll talk about your least favorite team, and everybody in between, and we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Thread Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's Restaurant in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Family owned and operated at the same location since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I is Chicago! Welcome into the Summer Malaise edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score, Jay. Let's break down all that red hot hockey news. Oh wait. Okay, that's it. Nothing, nothing's happening. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more <laughs> red hot hockey content. No, we actually have some hockey stuff to break down. We've got, uh, as we discussed uh, last time, the top twenty wingers and top twenty. I think that was all we had at that point, actually, right? I think it was no. It was top twenty wingers and the uh, top twenty goaltenders in the NHL. Ah, we had correct. Last time. Now. Now we have the centers and the defensemen, um, both of which include Blackhawks. Yep. Um, I, you know what, though? Hockey is close. We're getting close to hockey. So we only have a couple more weeks of, like, absolute nothing. And then camp's going to open. We're going to get a ton of news there. So you've bared with us this long. It's August 27th. There is plenty of hockey on the way. So I cannot wait. I can smell it. I can taste it. I'm, I am so ready for hockey. Uh, football is like a nice bridge. You know, we've got some preseason football, and we'll have a couple regular season games under our belt, and then the puck drops for real, and then yep. 
We're record we're recording this about two hours before uh, Mitch Bears. Trubisky uh, takes some reps with the first team and conclusively takes the reins as the number one quarterback as Mike Glennon will continue to struggle. You heard it here first, folks. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. I hope you're right. Nah, I'm probably not right. Mike Glennon sucks. <laughs> anyway, I do have some podcast news. Uh, we announced last podcast that we have been the Blackhawks have donated a pair of tickets for the preseason finale against the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. You all know about that. Well, last podcast, we held a poll and said, which opponent would you most like to see the Blackhawks play? I think we said the Golden Knights, the Oilers, the Leafs, and Canadians. Was that it? I, Whatever I, it was. Yeah, something like that. Whatever it was, the winner was the Edmonton Oilers. So, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast has for you, the listener, a pair of tickets to the game on October 19th against the Edmonton Oilers to give away courtesy of our friends at the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. So look for how we'll be giving that away. Um, they need to be given away like a week ahead of time, so James and I will find a creative way to do it. Still working out the details about that uh, live broadcast will happen. Don't worry, it's going to happen. So uh, we'll get you the details there, and maybe we'll just do it that way. But uh, two pairs of tickets to give away, uh, one for the preseason finale, one for the October 19th game against the Oilers. So the podcast... And the Blackhawks keep giving to you guys, so we appreciate it. We appreciate your listenership. And James and I, you know, can't be thankful enough to Adam Rogowin and the people in the Hawks front office for helping us out. Every time I ask for tickets, I say, hey, send me, uh, you know, I'll send over my credit card number. Just let me know what you need from me. And they're like, here's two. Enjoy, you know. So um, every time we ask, they are happy to help. Um, I don't know how long that will last, but, hey, we'll find out. Um, but we'd certainly appreciate it. Well, we better it. start but, giving them away, if anything, man. <laughs> yeah, we, no, we got time. We have time. Yeah, we I, I want to do it the right it. way. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just half-ass, like, email or the show gets tickets. I want to do something fun, something interactive. I know, you know, Danny Parkins on The Score, the show I produce, has been doing, um, he's been sort of leaving tickets around town for people to find, mm-hmm. like White Sox tickets. Maybe we could do something like that, like a scavenger hunt downtown and the first person to find them um get some or something like that we'll find a cool way to do it don't worry um but we'll work on those details and get them to you but uh more things to win from the podcast uh we've got lots of stuff to give away throughout the season so stick with us we'll be with you and uh, i cannot wait for the season to start so before we get to these lists though um last night i think everybody whether they paid or not uh (laughs) when about 10 o'clock rolled around started to freak out looking for the mayweather mcgregor fight because when something is hyped as much as that you almost kind of have to find it. It's just curiosity, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know if you saw the fight, James, but I spent most of the night um, trying to find feeds of it. I was on, like, Reddit pages. I was on Periscope. I finally found someone doing it on Twitch, um, which is, like, the video game. Uh, you could, like, watch people play video games on there. And uh, it was funny to see, like, the authorities would catch up with these people and block them, block them, block them. And it was, like, the mad scramble to find the next one. And I finally found one. That gave me, like, the last two rounds. And I have to say, I saw the first two very cleanly and the last two and sort of, like, following along in between. I don't I don't know anything about boxing, right? I'm not a fan of it. I think it's kind of boring. I feel the same way about UFC, frankly. But um, from what everybody said, McGregor was going to get his ass kicked, and he didn't. So I thought that was kind of impressive, that he went 10 rounds with, like, one of the best fighters in history, or 11 rounds, and held his own. I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, Jason Goff uh, has been arguing today that Conor McGregor got the crap kicked out of him. And I got to be honest with you, I feel like Floyd Mayweather went in with a game plan of letting McGregor punch himself out in the first few rounds. And then 
go on the attack later in the fight. That's exactly what he did. It was a different Floyd Mayweather in round, basically round like six on than it was the first couple rounds of the fight where he was kind of running away and doing the things that, you know, Floyd Mayweather stereotypically everyone says, oh, he does his run and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, in the last two rounds of that fight, Floyd Mayweather wasn't running from anybody. I think I saw a stat that he landed like, 60 power punches in the last two rounds of the fight just some obscene number and McGregor I thought acquitted himself well for not being a boxer but you could tell you know who had the game plan who had the strategy and it was Floyd Mayweather last night and in the battle of two pretty objectively terrible human beings the wife beater ended up coming out on top (laughs) Yeah, you cheer for the wife beater or the racist. Yeah, um, I, I'm always Who like said a the, racist it, thing last night. It wasn't. Like, I know. Oh my god! If I'm indifferent, I find myself rooting for the underdog. Right, that's just kind of how I am. So I guess I was like, wow, it'd be kind of interesting to see what would happen if McGregor won this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like go get him, Connor. I wasn't like draped in the Irish flag or anything like that. But just kind of out of curiosity, like what would it do to the boxing world had McGregor won? I think that would have been interesting. But um, I don't know. I like. Does this make you more or less interested? I know you're pre- you're kind of interested anyway, right? I dabble in everything, yeah. I, I, yeah I've, been, I, I've been wanting to get into boxing a little bit, and I, I want to see two, like, professional elite boxers go at it now that I've seen, you know, the pound-for-pound probably best of all time go up against the, you know, weirdo, the amateur. So I want, yeah. I want to see, like, Canelo Alvarez go up against somebody, like, truly elite, and... I also don't think that if Floyd Mayweather is smart, he's going out after this because I don't think he's ever going to be able to top this payday. And I don't think that if he got in the ring with a 27-year-old you know, expert boxer, I don't think he would beat him. No, and, and I think maybe if this fight happened 10 years ago, you know, it's not even close. But you're right about it, though. Like, you saw McGregor came out early, like, trying to knock him out quick. Yeah. And Floyd just sort of was like, all right keep punching yeah <laughs> and then the last couple rounds like may when mcgregor would land a punch there was nothing behind it it was like Bleh. yeah he was like glass joe out it, there yeah, and it his, was just uh his hands were drooping down at his waist and floyd was just hammering him it was crazy watching that yeah. and i i honestly thought the fight could have been stopped after the ninth round because you could tell mcgregor had nothing left and i i feel like his corner convinced the referee to let the fight continue and then by the time the 10th round started he was just dead on his feet there was nothing there well i don't know i was entertained by it i think if maybe if it i don't know maybe now does a boxer go fight a ufc guy in the octagon maybe that's like the next natural step but that's such a huge disadvantage yeah probably it's probably a bigger disadvantage it's definitely a bigger disadvantage than ufc to boxing 100 percent. i don't think there's any question about that all right well I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I, I found myself getting more and more interested as it got closer and closer, and I think that's just sort of an effect of, look how awesome this is. This is going to be awesome. You should watch it. It's going to be awesome. See, here's the and thing. Then, like, now I wonder what, what happens to Conor McGregor. Like, what happens? Oh, I see. I think short of winning, this was, like, the, the best thing that could have happened to him because he put on – he was way better than anyone thought. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he put he put together such a better effort, and he never got knocked down. That was sort of another thing. And there's the some people argue that they shouldn't have stopped that they obviously should have. Uh, McGregor even, yeah. you know, he didn't even argue. But um, I don't know. I think he it comes out looking pretty good. Like, look what I did. 
I trained for, what, eight months or whatever it was, got myself ready to fight the greatest of all time and hung in there, mm-hmm. you know, as well as anyone. So I, I don't think I don't think he, he I don't think he loses really anything with this. No, I don't think he loses anything. I think the question is, why on earth do you go back to UFC now? Like, you're, you're going to make $100 million, you know, boxing? You're not going to make that in a UFC fight ever, even if you have a part of the pay-per-view receipts. I don't think Conor McGregor is ever going to get that kind of payday again in the UFC. I wonder what's next for him. I wonder if we've maybe seen the last of him in the octagon, if he's going to try to break his contract with UFC, because what's the incentive? Like, what he's already won championships at multiple levels in UFC, and now he's made $100 million plus on a boxing pay-per-view. What's the incentive to keep going into the octagon? It's not that it's the same thing, but it's kind of similar to, like, when you look at someone like The Rock, right, who got too big for wrestling. Yep. Like, I am I'm more, I am more popular than you can afford, right? Yep. There's no value in me staying here. So he would come in every now and again for pay-per-views or whatever and go be an actor, go be a star somewhere else. And I think... That McGregor might just might not fight anymore. Who knows? I don't know. I, I just, uh, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I was surprised by my uh, excitement to watch. I didn't think that I would have that excitement as it came on. And even my wife's like, you found it? Let me sit next to you. You know, she would never in a million years watch a boxing match with yeah, me. Yeah, so. the, the spectacle, I think, drew people in. Definitely. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our boxing talk. Sorry if everybody uh, just tuned out, but <laughs> I think it was on people's minds. It was, you know, relevant. There's nothing much going on in hockey. So, yep. um, but hey, you know, McGregor, he didn't uh, lose any face. And if you don't want to lose any face either, awkward segue, nah. you should head out to Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, 815-723-9371. They are our longest tenured sponsor, along with Triple Threat Sports. Uh, we thank them for entering our third year of this podcast, which is crazy. Um, but they are family-owned and operated at the same location since 1933. They've got the world's greatest poor boy sandwich, the steaks, the burgers, the great seafood. The My favorite thing, aside from the poor boy, of course, are the double-baked potatoes and the onion rings. They're just outstanding. James loves the Icelandic cod, hand-cut on-premises. They've got a carryout menu and a full bar with craft beer. Banquet facilities for groups to up to 110 people. So visit marishkas.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. They're open seven days a week and close only on Christmas Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. When we come back, we will reveal NHL Network's top 20 defensemen right now. and We'll discuss the center's list revealed last week. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Boxing, I mean, Hockey Podcast. <laughs> Uh, for, for the record, Jay and I, obviously, ever, the listeners know, judged by the fact that we are giving away Blackhawks tickets and a jersey and a beer cooler holder and all that good stuff, they already know that we love them. But there's something else today that you and I are doing a really good job of ignoring right now for the benefit of our listeners. And you know what that is, Jay? The, what? The Arsenal-Liverpool match is on right now. My favorite soccer team against yours, and I'm recording it, and I'm not watching it right now because I wanted to give a podcast to our good listeners. You're an American hero. Darn right. I don't have any other way to say it. So are you, man. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're not letting our soccer soccer rivalry get in the way (laughs) of doing a quality podcast here. Yeah, you know, I just uh, it's just hard for me to put the time in. I got a kid. It's hard for me to like really commit to a soccer team like I would like to. 
Um, but I, you know, now that I, I'm, I'm, I switched providers. Actually, I switched cable provider. I don't know if this is interesting to anyone, but I cut the cord. Um, I have the PlayStation View now, and I have AT and T internet. Um, so the way the view works is you just like set a favorite as Premier League Soccer, mm-hmm. and it just saves all the Premier League Soccer for you. So it's going to be a lot easier for me now. Instead of remembering to tape the Liverpool game every week, it'll just be there. So I think I'll have a better, easier time to watch. So uh, I'll be better about it this year. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Anyway, so today, um, as is happening every week on, leading up to the season, the NHL is releasing a list. Today the list was the top 20 active defensemen in the NHL right now. Um, and in the past weeks we talked about the the wingers where um, Patrick Kane was at the top of the wingers list. Numero we had, uno. Controversial goalie list last week where uh, Corey Crawford was not in the top 10, which is ridiculous. Um, we've not had a chance to talk about the centers. We'll get to that. But let's start with the defenseman. Uh, Blackhawks defenseman Duncan Keith comes in at number five. Uh, and when I look at this list, I don't see a huge complaint there. I think some people lower on the list might have a complaint. But let's just go through the top 10 real quick. Eric Carlson, number one. Duh. Very, no doubt. Brent Burns, number two, of course. Drew Doughty, number three. Maybe a touch high. A little bit. Uh, Victor Hedman, fourth. I'd probably have have him third then. That, that I think, would be pretty easy for me to make that argument. To switch Hedman and Doughty? Yeah. Doughty? I always say Doughty because there's a singer called Mike Doughty who I like. So I always say Doughty when I write it. Ah. Doughty. Ah. I know it's Doughty. (laughs) Uh, So Duncan Keith, number five, which is about right in there, I guess. You could argue him ahead of Hedman, maybe. I, um, I just, probably wouldn't, but yeah, it, I think that he's he's about right, I think, on this list. Sorry, no no controversy here for me. No, you're right, though. It, it is right now. So you have to base it on what you saw last year, and I think right now that's that's a fair place for Duncan Keith. Yeah. Uh, P.K. Subban, number six. Roman Yossi, number seven. Chris Letang, number eight. Shea Weber, number nine. Ryan Suter, number ten. My guy, Oliver ekman Larson is at 11, and Dustin Bufflin at 12. So I don't really have it. I think that is probably the top 12 defensemen. I think you could probably flip around some in the top five. You could probably flip around some in the bottom five. Um, but I don't have a huge issue with really anything, which is kind of boring. But it, it's, it's funny. You know, Duncan Keith is such an important part of what the Hawks do and what they're going to do uh, for the next couple of years. And... Not that being number five is a slap in the face or it shows that he sucks or anything like that. It's obviously not true. But with any sort of decline and with, you know, the decline of his fellow defensemen like Brent Seabrook and the loss of Nicholas Jalmerson, I wonder how much longer Duncan Keith's going to be able to play at this elite level with so many miles on him, with such reliance on speed. Um, I don't know. I just when he goes, it's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. and there's no one near close to being able to replace him in the system. Um that's the guy who if the Hawks are going to contend, I think maybe more than anyone on the roster, Duncan Keith is going to have to be that guy who they can rely on for, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game uh at top level if they're going to be competitive. Seems totally fair that we're asking him to do that as he's entering what is 13th or 14th NHL season. By the way, we need you to be a Norris caliber defenseman this year. I, we well, we I, know that you're getting up there in age. We know that you've got a lot of miles on your legs, but we need you to be Norris caliber. Well, maybe not Norris caliber, 
But he needs to, like, here, here's the thing. He needs to stay at least as good as he is now for the next two or three years. Ugh. That's you a, know? That's and, a and, big ask, man. It is a big ask. I know. But when you have, see, this is the deal. When you have players of, of Duncan Keith's caliber that are generationally Hall of Fame automatic defensemen that have been part of your team for so long, it's hard to, like, you're not going to find a guy like that in the draft. Because, first of all, you're drafting too low to get a guy like that and the opportunities just aren't there every pick is low so it, and with the cap you can't go sign one so it's they're just gonna have to there's gonna be when when this whole thing falls apart whether it's in five years whether it's in three years whatever it is when it all falls apart it's gonna be rough for a couple of years and yeah this year they're playing a lot of young defensemen um i still don't know what the plan is i still think they need a veteran on the blue line but uh, we'll see what happens but um maybe that's the plan like we have to find who it's going to be so let's play these guys and see what's there and just sort of have a quick turnover situation but you know he's going to be good for another three four years for sure a good player a plus player all those things but they need him to carry the load and unless one of these young guys steps in and becomes a star like Connor Murphy or something like that um if he's not if he's not as good as he was last year if he's a notch or two below they got some big problems yeah, they definitely do, and I think we've already discussed how the lack of depth could be, end up being an issue, but at some point, if Duncan Keith ends up taking a step backward in terms of his effectiveness, you're not only going to be running into an issue with a lack of depth, you're going to be running into an issue of a lack of star power, too. And I think if there's anything we've learned in the NHL is you have to have that shutdown blue liner in order to be successful. I mean, you look at basically any team in the league – and they have a that's any good, and they have a guy that is capable of going out there and forcing an opposing coach to change their game plan whenever they're on the ice. I mean, Nashville, hell, they've got like two or three of those three. guys, yeah, yep. and they're all on this list, all three of them. And yeah, uh, Yossi is what uh, seventh. Yep, he's right behind Subban, and then Ryan Ellis is nineteenth. And by the way, I think Ryan Ellis is too low. I, I think that he's better than that list gave him credit for um and it's i think it, cam fowler who's at number 20 has an argument there too but we'll get back to that in a second sure i i think that you know you're getting into and then obviously our guy oel who i like how a twitter uh fan last night was like jay your guy and i'm like oel's my guy too man i'm constantly <laughs> beating that coyotes drum how dare you besmirch me like that well you're the general coyotes guy i'm the i'm the specific oel guy but speaking of the Coyotes, Coyotes, man, do you see a scenario in which Connor Murphy can develop into not Duncan Keith, not Hall of Famer, no, no, but a no. guy that other teams plan for? I mm, See, that's that's tricky. I don't know. Can he be a number one, I guess, is my question. I don't think so, but it would not, like, stun me to the ends of the earth if he did. I think that he has upside but I think that if he can be a solid number two or three blue liner, I think it was worth the investment based on the fact that it balances out your pairings more because he's right-handed. So I'd, I would consider successful if he was a number two or three guy. I would consider it a blockbuster if he can develop into a one. And like I said, I don't see that happening, but it wouldn't stun me if it did. It wouldn't be like, no, he's a bum. He's never going to be a one. No, that's not the argument that I'm going to make at all. So 
No, I think that he could very easily be a great complimentary piece to Duncan Keith on that top pairing if they use him that way. Or he could be a shutdown second pairing guy if they end up bumping Seabrook up to play with Keith on line one. Well, as, as we're talking here, I'm thinking about teams that have won the cup recently without a great defenseman. And Chris Letang is very good. Um, but was not part of either of the last two Penguins Cups. Which which uh, leads me to ask, why on earth is he number eight on this I, list? That's, they got to throw a Penguin in there. I guess, <laughs> I think it's man. like an NHL rule. And we shouldn't bitch because we're uh, Blackhawks supporters, and it's the same deal with the Hawks. But, uh, yeah, Latang struck me a little high there. He's still very good. But, see, I don't know if if I'm, you know, it's a Stanley Cup final, and the Hawks are playing the Penguins. If I'm listing my list of concerns, Chris Latang. It's not one of the guys I'm super concerned about, no. right? You're thinking Crosby. You're thinking Malkin, obviously. Uh, you know, Phil Kessel. Guys like that. Guys up front. So when you look at those Penguins specifically, that's sort of the exception of the team that they've won cups without an elite stud Norris caliber defenseman playing for them when they won. And when you look at the Hawks sort of building, when you look at the forward depth throughout the system, that's sort of impressive. They've got a lot of guys on the horizon for the NHL with Alex DeBrincat and Alex Fortine and all these guys who have, you know, been in the pipeline for a couple of years now working their way up to the NHL. Up front, I think they're going to be okay, especially Brandon Saad is back. You know, you still got good, you got Patrick Kane in his prime. You've got Jonathan Taves still playing well. All those things. I think up front they're going to be fine. Can they get to that point where they're so good offensively that they can sort of win despite not having a great defenseman? That's going to be the question because – I don't know how they're going to find someone like Duncan Keith or someone like the Brent Seabrook of four or five years ago um, to come in and be that number one, or even like Nicholas Jalmerson. I don't see anyone in their system now that's going to be that good. So that's going to be the only other way they can do it. If they win with offensive firepower and just win every game 6-4 or something like that, that's going to be their probably best shot to, to maintain success over the next you know five to seven years. I... I definitely would agree with that. Um, there is something that you just said that I feel like I, I didn't even think about this as a potential topic today, but you reminded me of it when you brought up the name Brandon Saad. Have you, I don't know if you ever listened to WGN radio, but they, Never heard of her. their, their advertising campaign right now for the Blackhawks is that they're getting the band back together. They play all the Blues Brothers clips and all that. And it's part of a larger advertising push that we've seen with the Blackhawks. They pushed really hard when tickets went on sale last week. They really did. I don't really remember them doing that in recent years. Do you? Like, that That to me, like, with the flash mobs and the billboards and all the stuff that they did, that was kind of surprising to me. I feel like the last few years, Blackhawks tickets have pretty much sold themselves and this year, I feel like they really, they went balls to the wall selling them. I've, I've definitely noticed that. Have you? I did. I did notice that. I'm glad you brought it up because it had been probably a week, so it sort of, like, disappeared in my brain. There was a definite more tickets are on sale, like a week up to it campaign. Tickets are on sale Monday. Tickets on sale Monday. Blah, 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 blah. And I felt that when I was hearing from people buying tickets, they weren't saying, Oh, man, I'm locked out. Which game should I go for? Uh, it didn't seem like it was such a difficult thing this year. The other thing I heard a lot about is how expensive tickets were. Yeah. So it's kind of 
I don't know. It's kind of counterintuitive. If they're afraid they're not selling tickets, why raise ticket prices, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, those decisions were probably made, and I don't know this for sure, but I think those decisions were made before they were eliminated in a first-round sweep. Yeah. The ticket pricing for next year, for this coming year. Do you think they worry about an enthusiasm gap because of that? Yes. Mm. And I think they're right to. I think they're, you know, the problem is when the Hawks, the Hawks have, they won so many cups right away, right? They got the attention. They won. They won. They won. But that's fragile, right? So that's a, a fan base that, yes, a lot of these new fans have come on and become diehards for sure. And it's great. And you know me. I never criticize people for jumping on a bandwagon. Oh, it's great. Man. The more the merrier. But the problem is some of those people that were super into the Hawks when they were really, really great, even if they weren't winning the Stanley Cup, they're going to start to fall off a little bit because it's been a couple of years since they've put together a good, a good long playoff run where they've been at the forefront of all the news stories, where they've been the best team in town, now with the Cubs taking a lot of that attention away. Um I do think that you're going to see a dip in Hawks' enthusiasm this year unless they come out guns blazing and unless they have a long playoff run again next year. I think you are going to start to see over the next two, three years a big drop in Blackhawks' enthusiasm. And I think it may have started already, and I think the Hawks know that. Yeah, and I think they're trying to get out ahead of it. And I think another part of the reason why the enthusiasm may have waned a little bit is, as you said, the ticket prices have consistently gone up every single season like clockwork and you ultimately run the risk of pricing out your diehards and i know that when you're running good when everything's going great on the team you can make that argument like yeah who cares we get the casual fan in here they're gonna buy the tickets it doesn't matter but you go out in the playoffs in the first round two straight years like they did that starts to not be the case anymore and like you said i think they made the decision well before they got eliminated in four games by the Predators. I just have found it very, very interesting that they ended up doing just such a concerted push. It definitely was noticed, and I will say it was pretty clever, too. I think they did a lot of really interesting things. So I'm glad to see that John McDonough's promotion operation is still able to kind of churn it out when they need to. And you see that they're appealing to not. They know the diehards are there, and they're not going to go anywhere, right? You've got, you've got the di- the diehards saying, "Look, we have suffered through, you know, fifty years of crap, and now we're the Hawks are really, really good. So two, three years of a tough playoff run are not going to ruin the diehards, right? If they live through the Wurtz era, they can live through this. Um, but it is that fragile." fan base that they're trying to keep that young fan base and that's what you see with the flash mobs and tommy hawk on top of double decker buses and you know the uh the grab at nostalgia from the team that won in 2010 and 2013 yeah the bands back together all that stuff that's what they're trying to keep they don't want that that casual new fan base to die off or fade off and it's going to happen they just need to get control of how harsh it's going to be i suppose yeah yeah it's definitely uh At least it's interesting to me. I don't know if our listeners feel the same way, but I definitely noticed it and was intrigued by it. Well, it's going to be interesting for us, too, because we can now that we have this new uh, podcast provider, we can literally gauge, you know, interest, (laughs) (laughs) at least in our podcast. Like, hey, how is this month compared to last month? Well, so far they have been. And we've had a lot of feedback this summer. And I told you numbers a couple weeks ago. They're really good. Um, But. It's interesting. I do. I am a little bit concerned just based on 
their push on ticket sales, they know stuff. You know, they're ahead of it. They've been running, um, you know, marketing uh, research and all those things to, to gauge interest. And I wonder if, you know, kind of the lack of excitement about the draft has frightened them a little bit. There's a lot of things that could go into this, but I definitely think they are concerned a little bit about, you know, the future, um, you know, the future success of ticket sales and things when they're not able to contend for the Stanley Cup year after year after year. They're going to be good for a long time because they've got a good coach, a good GM. They know what they're doing. They're a good organization, but... Uh, to be Stanley Cup contenders year after year is tough for anybody. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the next five to ten years how it's going to stay. Is the fan base going to stay and grow or is it going to sort of hover where it's at or is it going to drop a little bit? If I had to put my money on it, I would say it's going to drop. Probably, but I think they'll figure out ways to incentivize new fans even as that starts to happen. And I think that's all its all part of the business, man. All right, we're going to take another time out. When we come back, we will give you, we'll discuss last week's, I'm sure you've seen it by now, but James and I have not talked about it, the top 20 centers on NHL Network's list. But before we do, if you want to order your number five best defenseman in the league, Duncan Keith jersey, you can go to Triple Threat Sports and it will look awesome, look just like it looks on the ice. But did you know they're also the best place to go if your team needs jerseys? Whether you're an elite travel, high school, or college program that needs outfit hundreds of kids, or if you're a beer and pizza league team with 12 players, Triple Threat can put you in pro-quality jerseys at pricing you can afford. Triple Threat Sports can work with you on every aspect of the job. Logo design, fitting, apparel for off-ice, you name it. And you don't have to be a hockey player to wear uniforms from Triple Threat. They can get uniforms and apparel for all sports. Baseball, softball, football, lacrosse, and more. So for more info, call Chris at 708-478-6090. That's 708-478-6090. Or email him for more info at chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We will be right back with the NHL Network's top 20 centers right now after a short timeout. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast where we're raining on your parades and raining punches down upon you while talking about boxing and ticket sales and all the good stuff you would expect from a hockey podcast dying for it to be September Jay, before we get into the top 20 def- or centers in the NHL, I got to ask you a question, man. What's going on with Will Butcher? I don't know. I, I don't think the Hawks are interested, to be honest Why? with you. I don't, think, I don't think they're in the mix. I don't know. I just, you know, they're always in the mix for these college free agents, and if they're not, something tells me they don't think he's that great. I have seen him play. He's pretty solid, and it's not like the Blackhawks are – dealing with a bumper crop of defensemen right now yeah i'm with you i just uh you know i think that that their amateur scouting department has earned the benefit of the doubt so uh if they're not into it i'm not going to be super mad there's got to be a reason there's got to be something they know you know that's uh that is keeping them uninterested it's funny that he's kind of i like that butcher's like talk to me i'll i'll talk to all 30 teams i don't care you know, like, tell, sell me on your team, and I'll see if I want to play there. It doesn't have anything, you know, set in stone. I, I kind of like that approach, which doesn't eliminate anyone. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it also makes everyone else very itchy, and it probably is good for him because if every team's in, he's going to get better offers. Right, but if every team's not in, like the Blackhawks are clearly not in, then, you know, the market's a little bit different than I anticipated. I really thought the Blackhawks were going to at least kick the tires on him. Yeah, I was surprised they did not. Um, but again, I I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, withhold uh, outrage 
uh, just because of my trust level in the staff and what they know. And maybe they feel like they've got some great stuff coming through with Jan Ruda and uh, the other guys they added this offseason to the defensive court. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't understand it. But, um, hey, we're going to see. Maybe he will. Maybe they'll shock the world. Shock the world, man. No one knew they were trading Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad. No one knew they were trading Nicholas Jalmerson. I, def- right? I definitely kept pounding the trade Artemi Panarin drum, but no, I did not envision that was how that was going to go. Yeah. The two of us, I think, were pretty vocal about that. By the way, we did the top 20 defensemen and didn't give you all 20. So let's just, before we get into the centers, I'll just go through the top 20 real quick. Carlson, Burns, Dowdy, Hedman, Keith, Subban, Yossi, Latang, Weber, Suter, Ekman, Larson, Bufflin, Wierenski, Petrangelo, Shattenkirk, Hamilton, McDonough, Giordano, Ellis, and Fowler. That's your top 20 uh, NHL defensemen right now. Cam Fowler should be higher. That's my beef, I guess, with that thing. But R- I mean, Ryan Ellis should also be higher, and I think Chris Letang should be lower. Agreed. Screw you, NHL Network. No. By the way, I should reference the uh, outstanding interview I had for the podcast last week with Mike Rupp. <sighs> it was probably 25 terrible. minutes. No, it was 25 <laughs> minutes of red-hot hockey action, and I kept saying to him, dude, I could talk to you for an hour, but I know you have to go. But one more question. I think I did that four times. Then I hit on our recording software here, hitting space bars, which stops the recording. I hit it. The wheel started spinning, and it went, and just the whole thing exploded. And typically, with Adobe Audition, it will save your work. It'll say, you know, uh, Audition wasn't closed properly. Do you want to restore your session? You hit yes, and at least a big part of it will be left completely gone no trace of it anywhere i've never seen that happen before but mike rupp was great we will have him on again before the season begins because uh i was impressed with how good he was and how uh plugged in with the hawks he was he really knew his black hawks he agreed with us jonathan taves which we'll get to here in a second is not the 12th best center in the nhl he had him way higher than that he also believes that Corey crawford belongs somewhere in the middle of the top 10 which is fair fair um, and said that his mind was changed on Corey Crawford. He said didn't believe in him much at first, but as time's gone on here, he's proven himself to be an elite goalie. So it was a really good conversation, trust me. Yeah, and <laughs> listeners may be confused as to why I'm giving Jay crap about it not being a good conversation. I was not an active participant in that interview because I decided it'd be a good idea to go down to Kentucky to watch some solar eclipse last week. So How was it? It I... I, at running the risk of being assailed for being a naive person or a nerd or whatever, it honestly is one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen. It, it honestly was incredible, and I'm glad I made the trip because that's something that you can always go, hey, I've seen that, and it was freaking epic. It was so cool watching like as the moon finished going in front of the sun there's just it's hard to describe the like kind of the electricity in the air when it does that and i ended up getting some really good facebook live videos for nbc but that was definitely secondary to the fact that i had a lot of fun going down there and i also met a couple of twitter fans of mine and i believe they've listened to the podcast before it was kind of weird they came all the way down to hopkinsville because i said it wasn't going to be cloudy like it was in carbondale and sure enough they showed up and i talked to them so shout out to bagman 928 and ivy chat for hanging out during the eclipse it was a good time man very cool how was the ride home terrible i never want to do that again (laughs) ever 
It literally. <laughs> would, you do, would you do it over again? Um, I would do it over again, but I would definitely bring like I don't know, like more <laughs> snack items for that ride home. It took us six hours to get out of Kentucky, but once we got out of Kentucky and got into Indiana, everything was gravy. So yeah, it was um, it was hell. <laughs> Not gonna lie, the the trip down was like took five and a half hours. It was a cinch. The trip back was absolute hell. Ugh. We had uh, Addie's good friend went down. Her whole family, our friends, went down to Nashville. They made like a week of it. They went down there, had a vacation, then they came back the day after. So I saw, and, and the, her friend is seven, and I said to her, like, hey, how was the eclipse? It was awesome. Yeah. I go, oh, really? How was the ride home shit? It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was so I, funny. I, I feel like it's definitely, that's like the universal experience is, the eclipse was breathtaking and amazing, and he gives you chills. The ride home was friggin' atrocious, but would everybody do it again? I think for the most part, yeah, everybody would do cool. it again. I'm just reminded of when we went to, we drove to Florida to visit my uh, wife's grandmother, and uh, that was last spring. And down there, getting down there was cool, not too bad. Coming back, like through Georgia, I was so. I, we spent the entire day in Georgia, yep. like just stuck on the highway. And I was so, like, I'm very patient. You know me, like I don't get fired up. I don't get really mad. Uh, it takes a lot to set me off. And I was like, I said to Hope, it was like uh, probably 1130. And I'm like, you have to find a hotel right now because there's no way I'm getting a Chattanooga. There's no way I'm going to make it and be sane and not like just get out of the car and, and murder somebody <laughs> because <laughs> I was just the entire day of bumper to bumper traffic is probably the worst experience i've ever had yeah just imagine just your so... commute into work times 50 that's how bad yeah. the traffic was for that and georgia aside from atlanta is that the greatest place in the world to like have to pull off and go to the bathroom we went to this place in butts county that's what it's called butts county yeah b-u-t-t-s county butts. um and i'm not kidding you it was like a kind of like a casey's general store like a bigger gas station but not quite a rest stop they had a rack you know the shirt larry the cable guy wears like the cut off denim shirt yeah, get her done. they had a rack of those shirts in every color of the rainbow like every orange yellow pink purple blue green <laughs> any color of larry the cable guy confederate flag shit everywhere uh there was a hat that says we don't call 911 with a pistol on it I'm like can we just pee and get out of here as quickly <laughs> as possible I just heard the banjo music from uh, Deliverance playing in the background. I'm like, we need to go. We need to get the hell out of here now. Anyway, all right. So the top 20 centers right now, um, just to make sure we get through all of them, I'll just count them down. McDavid, number one. Crosby, number two. Malkin, number three. No complaints there. Pretty obvious. Uh, Matthews, number four. Mm. Nicholas Backstrom, number five. Eh. John Tavares, number six. Steven Stamkos, number seven. Tyler Sagan, number nine. I'm sorry, number eight. Ryan Getzlaff, number nine. Mark Scheifele, number 10. Patrice Bergeron, 11. Jonathan Taves, 12. Anze Kopitar, 13. Eichel, 14. Dreisaitl, 15. Johansson, 16. Barkov, 17. Carter, 18. Kuznetsov, 19. And Monaghan, 20. Uh, so here's what I'm doing with this list. I'm taking Bergeron and Taves and, the take, and Kopitar. So 11, 12, 13. I'm moving them. Behind Tavares at six. So they're seven, eight, and nine. And I'm happy with the list. Ryan Getzlaff <laughs> being number nine is stupid, and I don't like it. 
I think Tyler Sagan's too high too. I would I would agree with that. I think that's more of a reputation thing than an earned uh, spot. I just you know let, let's focus on Taves here because this is kind of what's what's bothering me about it. And part of me feels like this is released to stir up controversy, right? To get Hawks fans talking. Corey Crawford being off the top ten is inexcusable. I don't care what you think of him. If you're one of those guys that doesn't think he's great, he's still a top 10 going in the league. There's no doubt about it. There's nothing you could look at that says he's not top 10. Yeah. Jonathan Taves, if you want to look at his stats and focus on that alone, fine. I'll give you that argument. But no one who watches hockey with any sort of critical eye says Jonathan Taves is not a top 10 center. There's no way in hell. He does literally everything well. What was that? What are you doing? I don't know. Are you power washing your laptop? No. <laughs> what was that noise? I have no idea. All right. Well, we're all going to die. Y- uh, but anyway, yay. before I do, Jonathan Taves should be in the top 10. <laughs> He's an all-around player. And I think if if there was a draft held today, right, let's say the whole league, you hit the reset button, and all, every team is picking again, how long do you think it takes for Jonathan Taves to get picked? I, I got- Among centers. <sighs> You got to keep in mind age and contract, too, when you're talking about an exercise like that. So Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I, I think he's probably top 10 centers, but probably like number 9 or 10. I, I don't think that he goes much higher than that because of his age and because of his contract. But I still think he's top 10. Yeah, I think somewhere in a 6-7-8 range. I, I still think if I have a game to win, are you taking him over Tavares? Yes. It's game If it's game seven, who do you want out there, Taves or Tavares? I would take Taves. Taves or Samkos? I would take Taves. Taves or Sagan? Lean Taves. Taves or Getzlaff? Ah. Right. So that that's kind of my point, right? That's if you get, the, the thing is right now, we're talking about right now, that is how the NHL network is labeling their list, the top 20 centers right now. Yeah. So if I have a game to win... And I have 20 centers to choose from. Jonathan Taves is a top five for me. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a homer. Maybe I'm in-town stupid or in-town I, I think blind, Leon Dreisaitl um, being number 15 might be a touch low. What do you think? I agree with that. Um, I do agree with that. It's just, but it, see, that's the thing. This right now thing has sort of put them in this hole, right? Because right now, Dreisaitl is coming off an awesome year where he was one of the best players in the league. So you can't say, well, he hasn't done it long enough. It doesn't matter. We're talking about right now. Yep. Right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he should be higher for sure. And then we have to get to the elephant in the room because we've completely ignored it to this point. Connor McDavid ranked ahead of Sidney Crosby on this list. I think I don't have any problem with that. I think that he is Coming off generationally back-to-back great. Cup wins and how good Sidney Crosby is and continues to be, you, you still would not have him above Connor McDavid? I don't think so. No, I don't. I uh, Last year, yes. I think that McDavid took the step over him this year. Hmm. I really do. And you look at just the sort of the talent on the team as well, and Crosby's got a much better supporting cast than, than McDavid, and McDavid is still unstoppable. Hmm. You know, that to me is he's a guy that can do it himself. And now he doesn't have to because he's got some talent on that team finally. Um, but – I just I think he's great. I think that when it's all said and done, he'll be probably remembered as the best player of this generation. Wow. Big words from Jay Zawaski. I, I like I, it. 
you know, I and Crosby's great. I, I'm not knocking Crosby. It's, no. You know, they're interchangeable. But if I'm, again, the word is right now. And right now I'm taking Connor McDavid. I think that he is, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, I hate doing the Mount Rushmore thing, but he will be a Mount Rushmore type player. Wow. Jay Zawaski bringing the hot takes today. I don't think it's a hot take to say <laughs> Connor McDavid's going to be really good at hockey. Whoa. Yeah. Hot take. Nuclear. Put me on with Stephen A. Yeah. <laughs> Cholula. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, you guys got to do this. I thought like, wow, Cholula sent me more stuff. No, I signed up for this thing online. By the way, this is not an ad. I'm just truly a fan of Cholula. It's called the Order of Cholula. It's like this little fan club you sign up for online, and they send you stuff. I got a bottle of Sweet Habanero Cholula the other day, just randomly out of the blue. You, That's pretty cool. Man, you, you're doing the Noah Syndergaard thing. He's the one. What? He's the one hawking that, and you're falling right into his clutches, man. Oh please, I was I was hawking Cholula long before. Uh, Noah Syndergaard was a scratch in his daddy's pants, my I friend. Come on. I knew you were going to say that. I knew that that metaphor was coming. <laughs> ha, coming. Why? And <laughs> is that my go-to uh, pre pre preborn joke? No, it's know. it's the go-to preborn joke of anybody over the age of forty. Oh, I'm not over forty, so kiss my ass, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> All right, so yeah, ta- I think everyone agrees, including Mike Rupp. He sort of like threw the phone, rolled his eyes when I said Taves 12. And I think he felt the same way for Patrice Bergeron as well. So you say. Uh, to, well, you're just going to have to believe me on this. <laughs> he also said I was the greatest interviewer he's ever spoken to. I, you're just going to take my word for it. And he said I sounded very handsome. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to take one more break and come back and do our email segment where we will record, we will reward an epic hockey card. I've already chosen it, and it's amazing. And uh, give away a breakfast at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment's brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with two locations in Burbank, 6501 West 79th Street, and in Darien, 8025 South Cass Avenue. Visit Chuck's Cafe dot com for details they offer the best in barbecue mexican and cajun fare including my favorites the chicago wings the cochinita pabil the barbecue nachos the jambalaya all are fantastic their daily specials are where it's at if you're going to chuck's make sure you check out the daily specials at chuckscafe.com you'll find something you love there make sure you get the cobbler by the way it's like a hot apple or peach or whatever pie with ice cream on top it is insane one of the best things you'll ever eat that's there every day They've got a fantastic bar with dozens of craft beers and an ever-rotating beer menu. They offer catering services, banquets, and more. And they've appeared on Chicago's Best, Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and tons of cooking shows like that. So visit Chuck's Cafe or follow them on Twitter at Chuck's Cafe. We thank them for their continued support of the podcast. First email here from Nicholas Malone. Malone Maloner Boner, our guy. Boner, yeah. Uh, he, just quick email here from him. He says, Phil Kessel should make a guest appearance on the I'm Fat podcast. I agree with that. Um, and he said, this is a picture of Phil Kessel eating the hot dogs out of the Stanley Cup, <laughs> which is the greatest thing ever. Yep. He says, I'd rather eat off a public toilet seat than out of the cup. Players have done disgusting foul things on and to that Stanley Cup. Uh, it's cleaned all the time, though. 
Would you eat out of the cup, James? Would you like put cereal in there and eat out of it? Oh, I would definitely eat out of it and get the bubonic plague, and I wouldn't give a crap. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then you know, I maybe it would depend on like who had it before me. Like if yeah. Andrew Shaw was the guy with it before me, I might think twice. I might lay some like aluminum foil down there in the top before I do anything. But you know, if it's a classy guy, like uh... what would you eat out of the cup? That's the big question. Hmm, that is a good question. I'd probably fill it with wings. Oh, yeah. And just eat that's wings. That's call, that's yeah. my favorite food. I love wings, mm. as you can tell, because I'm a big, fat guy. Um, next email here from Brandon, one of the hooligans from the Mariska's remote, he tells us. Ha! He says, I know you spoke about maybe having a contest to see who gets into the fantasy league at a remote, but I'm giving it an early shot with his fantasy team name, E equals MC David. Hmm. All right, you're in. I like it. He's in. All right. He's in. Brandon's in. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to figure that out. I got to get through my football draft first, all right? Just yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get there, and then we'll figure the other thing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Another email here from... Oh, by the way, back to... Uh, uh, what's his name? Boner face or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, the toilet seat thing. I have a I have a beef right now, okay? Oh. Here's the thing. If you are one of those people whose ass... I may have done this before, so stop me if I have... If you feel your ass is too precious to touch a toilet seat and you have to lay down the strategically placed toilet paper, when you're done, put the paper in the toilet. Don't just leave it sitting on the toilet seat for someone else to deal with. So if you can't touch your ass to the seat, why should I have to touch my hand to your paper? Jerk off. All right. (laughs) It happens all the time. And the other thing is, who are these people that don't flush their shits? Like, I'm at work. I'm going to take a dump. I'm done. I'm going to stand up and leave. What? There's six pounds of human feces in there. Can you please do something with it? So I don't have to walk into the bathroom. And you can't even just blame having... Matt Abaticola anymore. No, he would never do that. <laughs> you can't You can't walk in after having an egg sandwich for breakfast and seeing that and going, oh, come on. That's the first thing I got to see. I'm just getting to work, which sucks enough. And then I got to look at that? Come on. What's wrong with you people? All right. Email here from... He says, I saw James tweeting about the Winnipeg Jets fans being bullish on their squad this year. Extremely. What teams do you see being a surprise contender that can make a deep run? You can't take Nash Vegas again, Jay. Thank you. Uh, ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What's this sudden Jets confidence? Is there something I missed? Something I'm forgetting? They Did they add a player of great talent? Their insistence to... is that they were victimized by the injury bug last year and still managed to get a decent number of points. And the reason that I brought this up was because uh, Sean Tierney is doing his projections for the number of points that teams are going to get. And he had the Jets, like, I think at, like, 101 or something like that. And I was just like, no. that I don't see no. That's yeah. 100 points for the Jets, I don't see it. No. Maybe he also had the, he had the Blackhawks at, like, 91, I think, by the way. So not bullish on the Blackhawks at all. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I, I think that... You know, the, right now I'm sort of in a mindset, too, of like, okay, Hawks, show me. They're in a pretty year. They definitely are. You th- you think they're going to improve this year? No, I said they're in a prove-it year. Oh, in a prove-it year. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, email here from Marshall Lewis. Really nice email. He says, my name is Marshall. I'm a longtime Hawks fan and originally from Lincolnwood, Illinois, and I'm currently active duty Air Force. I spent a few years in Florida and I'm currently stationed in Georgia where I also play in a beer league in Atlanta. Georgia! 
insulted Georgia, and now we've got this guy. Hey, Poor Marshall. He's not from Georgia. He's stationed there. Fair enough. <laughs> he says, I love listening to your podcast, and it saved me from countless hours of insanity, especially on my current deployment in Qatar. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome, Marshall. I'm glad you enjoyed I hope you enjoyed my toilet rant. <laughs> uh, when you're... <laughs> Good God. Talk about entitlement. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like such a jack right now. First world problems. <laughs> yeah, how about it? This guy's in Qatar uh, defending our country, and I'm complaining about touching butt toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I'll get to the point. The Hawks' window to win is closing. Yep, we sort of discussed that earlier. There are at least three teams in the West alone, Edmonton, Nashville, and St. Louis, regrettably, that I think could beat the Hawks come playoff time. With some of the younger players, there's still a chance to win one last one before certain veterans, Siebes, Keith, uh, etc. Inevitably show their age to the rest of the league. So the question is, I can't be mad if they don't for the next 20 years, but do you think the Hawks have a chance to win one more before that window closes? Slash, what would need to happen, or when is it time to accept the rebuild like the like the Sox have? Well, I think you got two different questions there. Um, I do think they maybe have one more cup in them. If Nick Schmaltz can become um, maybe not an all-star, but close to all-star level player, if Alex DeBrincat's the player you think he is, and if one or two of these young defensemen pan out quickly, I think you could see them contend for a cup again. And if you're contending, you have a chance to win one. Yeah. Um, as for rebuilding, I don't think I think as long as you have Patrick Kane in his prime, and you have Jonathan Taves close to his prime, uh, you should do what you can to try to win. Um, I don't think they're going to be anything close to a dynasty again, but I think they've done a good enough job of reloading to be a contender, a good team for a long time. You know, think of like the post-2000s Red Wings where they were good for a long time. You, you would never write them off as a, as a team that would win the Cup, but they struggled to put a bunch of them together here lately. I, I think you could see the Hawks going that way. You know, like the post-Fedorov-Eiserman-era um, Red Wings. Could well, be you know, cup, I guess. I mean, you obviously there's a pretty easy explanation to why that happened. The salary cap ended up making it really difficult to keep the proverbial band together and to keep the ship moving in the right direction when you're constantly having to hemorrhage players and develop new ones. Yep, you're right about that. I, I, I just the word rebuild. I think they're a long way from that. I would agree. Mailman Tom from Vegas emails. He said, what's the word on the Cody, Cody Franson uh, PTO? That's the uh, you know professional tryout that I reported probably two months ago. There's nothing new on that. Um, I, I'm assuming Franson's still trying to find a deal. And if he doesn't, he's one of the guys the Hawks could invite to camp for a tryout. That's what I've heard. I've not heard any difference since then. I've asked for updates and there really are none because it's just wait and see. If he doesn't have a deal, he might be invited. So... That's that. Uh, but he brings up a good question here. He says, since the Golden Knights have 11 NHL defensemen on the roster, do you think it's possible the, quote, future considerations from the Kruger trade might be one of these players after the Hosa LTIR placement? Uh, that's a really good question, and I think there could be something to that because the Hawks don't want to, you know, be over the cap. They've got to wait to put Hosa on IR until the season begins. So maybe once that's made that that deal is consummated and maybe that player comes the other way that would be um ideal if you you know if you sort of think about it because they do have a a glut of nhl ready defensemen yeah i could see that all right dynamite drop in james thanks (laughs) (laughs) i didn't really have anything to add i felt like you nailed it right (laughs) on the head (laughs) i'm just kidding there's no there's really no uh 
no expansion beyond that point to make. Yeah. Um, and he he also asked, please tell me the only reason Michael Roosevelt was signed was to fulfill the expansion requirement, and will he be released eventually? So I'm taking down the news from the rafters. Don't don't hang yourself over Michael Roosevelt. Yeah, that's a really bad reason to do that. By the way. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll. I think he's going to stick around this year and just be your number eight, number nine defenseman, and help some of the young players and all that stuff. I, I don't think uh, his cap hit is so low. If it becomes a problem, they'll figure something out. But well, they can bury um, him in Rockford, and they won't have to worry about it. I wonder if they would do that to him though, Probably like not. a guy who's got that much, um, you know, NHL experience and that that many skins on the wall. I, I bet they would. They'd give him his unconditional release if they did that. Right. And then last question from uh, Mailman Tom says, how about a Madhouse Chicago podcast live broadcast from Vegas before the Hawks Knights game? Yes. That would be super. And this sounds like a good time to tell you about our GoFundMe page <laughs> because there's no way in hell that's happening uh, without uh, a lot of funding. No, I think that's a pipe dream. Maybe if we become mega stars in the podcast world in two or three years, we could do that. Uh, but right now, not an opportunity. But yeah, GoFundMe.com slash MadhousePod. Uh, also, patreon.com slash madhousepod. Two ways to donate to the podcast. Again, every penny goes to the podcast, not to us, not in our pockets, anything like that. So, um, yeah, there's that. I just want to do a long one today. There's I think that. long one, short one, right? Is that the way to do it? <laughs> yeah. We're having a meeting here on the uh, on the air. I believe that's how it works, yeah. Uh, Don Larson, Dan Larson, I'm sorry, asked the same exact question that Tom did about Vegas. Good job. Why? Why does everyone want us to go to Vegas? Do they think we're going to get married no, if we the, go out there? The, the defenseman thing. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, we're I, already married. I, I yeah, that's true. We are. <laughs> All right, this is a good question. Maybe this is a, a crowdsourcing thing. Uh, email here from Jeffrey says, "I'm a college student from Illinois, going to an Indiana school, and my apartment has basic cable, but I do not get any Chicago channels that I would get if I was back in my hometown. Unfortunately, I'm in the blackout area of the Blackhawks for NHL TV." And getting a Dish or Direct TV subscription is out of the question because of money. What would be the best way I could watch the Blackhawks this season while at college? Also, thanks for adding me on Snapchat, James. I can't wait to hear your puns and see your cat pictures. Love the podcast so much. I don't really have an answer for that, Jeffrey. Um, I'm sure there are people who are more... Uh, I, I just told the story of me searching for a feed of the McGregor fight all night last night, so I don't know how to find that stuff. But I'm sure um, someone could uh, respond via email. We'll send a response to you or something like that. But if anyone has any idea, please help Jeffrey out. We get this question a lot, yep. and I, I don't know. I truly don't know um, how to do it, how to get around it. And it, it seems like you know NHL.TV or NHL, whatever they're calling it, should find a way to know, like, there's no way for me to see the Hawks. It shouldn't be that difficult. So first thing I would suggest is anyone who's affected like that, where you have no option to see the Hawks, send them an email. Find someone and say, look, I'm in the blackout zone, but I can't get it on. I, can't, I don't get the local channels, so I'm screwed here. The more they know and the more information you give them, they're not doing it to spite you, right? I think they're probably making their best guess at like the borders and things. Let them know. This is my situation. Here's my provider. Here's exactly where I live. Here's what I want to do, and here's what I can't do. The more information those people have to work with, the better they'll be able to, as the system grows and gets better, because more and more people are cutting the cord every day, uh, they'll find a way to better accommodate the fans. So don't think that they're just trying to shut you out to piss you off. That's not the case. They need information, so give it to them. So that would be my suggestion. Email them. 
tell them your situation, and hopefully enough people do that, uh, and it will get fixed eventually. But uh, short term, hopefully uh, some of our listeners can help out. Uh, and I'll always, you know, tweet. Uh, we could retweet you, and maybe people can help you that way as well. At Madhouse Pod on Twitter. Last question goes to Jacob K. He says, in honor of the McGregor Mayweather. Uh, what was something that you were hyped for but ended up being disappointing? A sporting event, a piece of entertainment, a consumer product, anything else. So what is something you were excited for and ended up disappointed in? James, aside from me, what is your answer ah. to that question? Oh, man. That's a that's an intense question, dude. Um, I'll give you some time since you didn't know it was coming. Mine was I failed. I was in high school, so it had to be 94, 95. I wanted to see Green Day. At about the, like, right when Dookie was starting to peak. Like, right when they were really starting to hit their biggest moment of their, you know, coming out party, I guess you would call it. Um, I saw them at the UIC Pavilion. Went there. Was super excited. Me and four friends found a way to get there, get tickets. It was a, That's a big deal for four high school students, right? We get to the show. Screeching Weasel opens. They're great. So we're super excited. Green Day comes out. And I think they played three or four songs and left pissed off because there was a fight in the mosh pit and that was the end of the concert <laughs> that will forever stand out to me as like one of the biggest disappointments because like for a guy for us now james guys in their 30s to go all right i'm gonna go to a concert it's not a huge thing we've got the the income that we can do that it's not going to kill us we got cars we can get there pretty easily we got transportation but for four high school guys to coordinate get money get the tickets bought that was back when you had to go to like carson's to buy your your tickets from Ticketmaster. To do that and have the show last like 15, 20 minutes was brutal. That, so rough. That yeah. sucked. Hmm. Also, the ShamWow was a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, yeah, like, I, there's nothing really that's immediately springing to mind. Like, I feel like I always try to find, like, the the best in a situation, I guess. But, yeah, I'm not really... I'm kind of drawing a blank on this one. Maybe what I'll do is I'll call this my homework assignment for next week, and I will come out blazing with things that have disappointed me in some way. I have a new answer to mine. My biggest disappointment in my life is that James was not able to come up with anything that's ever disappointed him. You know what? I'm sorry that I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. <laughs> you are. That's why I love you. Aww. Truly, it's true. That's why I associate with you, because you are uh, infinitely positive, which is great. All right, do you have a winner of the... Uh, Hockey card? I, I think the, uh, I gotta be honest with you, I think that last question about, that stumped me on the uh, biggest disappointment, I think we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say that I would be disappointed if we did not give that gentleman the card. The card is a 1992 Bobby Holik Pro Set. Why is this card cool, you ask? Because he's in the green Hartford Whalers jersey. Yes! Yeah, very cool. Very cool. This is his uh, after his rookie season. 78 games, 21 goals, 22 assists, 113 penalty minutes. Bobby Holik, a good player for a long time. It's just too bad that most of it was in New Jersey and no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, God, it, there's so many guys like that. Like Brodeur and Stevens are the two that have sort of like uh, <laughs> risen above their lot in life in New Jersey. But they've had so many good, great players uh, that had just kind of like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, Bobby Holik. Yeah, that's right. He was pretty good, I guess. Oh, yeah, Patrick. Oh, yeah, she was good for a long time, I suppose. I don't know why the Devils are so, like, on the pay no mind list for people. I just thought of my thing. Yes! <laughs> it just came back to me. 
Um, when I was 18, I was fresh out of high school. The Cubs were getting ready to play the Braves in Game 3 of the NLDS at Wrigley Field. And the pitching matchup was Mark Pryor and Greg Maddox. It was like this big, huge event. Like, everyone wanted to go. My buddy found someone who was selling his tickets for a preposterously low amount of money. So we were going to go. We were totally just going to be like, you know what? I'll skip school today. We'll go up to Chicago. It'll be great. We were literally in the car on the way north to go buy the tickets from the guy. And he called us and said, I'm charging $400 a ticket instead. And we were like, no, you agreed to sell us these tickets. You can't do that. And he's like, yeah, I can. You didn't sign anything. So we literally turned around on the highway and drove back and watched the game oh. home. Oh, man. Because that guy, <laughs> that douche nozzle, decided he wanted to screw over a couple of, couple of 18-year-old kids. So I did not get to see the Cubs ultimately win at Wrigley Field that night to take a 2-1 series lead over the Braves. I was going oh, to, and then I didn't. That's a big kick in the nads. Yeah. Oy. So thanks a lot for making me relive that. Well, you win a Bobby Holy a hockey card for making James sad. Congratulations. <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to wrap up the podcast. We said it was going to be short. We lied. It's an hour 10. We totally well, lied. We got to edit some things out but because uh, James lost his internet there for about 10 minutes. I have minutes, but... no idea what the <laughs> hell happened. Just like literally all of a sudden my internet was gone. I knew you were gone. I just Because usually I can hear like what's going on behind you, like a fan or just general ambiance. Yep. And there was nothing. I said, James, are you there? And you were not. I it died. was very sad. It was a sad moment for me. Um, but uh, thank you all for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll be back soon with more hot hawk, hockey action. I don't even know hot, what I'm saying. Hawk on hawk hockey action. So and it's almost September. Nice. Hockey is right around the corner. Bear with us. We can't bears. wait either. Yeah, Bears. About to go watch the Bears. Go watch Trubisky light up Nashville. Trubisky's going to knock him dead. That's right, my friend. Uh, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with two locations in Burbank and in Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you very, very soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. What's it doing? Designing my new 2021 Nissan Kicks Online in the Kicks Color Studio. I give each a special name. This one's electric blue, orange, red, white. I call it the gumball machine. You think it's me? I feel like you're more of a red velvet guy. Limitless possibilities. With over 100 million available color combinations and Bose Personal Plus system. In the boldly new 2021 Nissan Kicks. Bose is the registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating Nissan dealer. See dealer for details.